Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Living Hope! Good to see everybody. Good to see everybody. Also, um, on in your, I think in your bulletin is uh, an announcement about a, um, a vision retreat that we got coming up in January. And uh, a lot of times we'll have a leadership retreat. And, uh, but this time we, we wanted to uh, open it up to anybody who wanted to come. And so there's information about that in your bulletin. Uh, it's in January. It'll be like a Friday, Saturday night um, in the, at a campground in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And a really great facility there. Um, and we're just going to talk about the vision of our church and kind of where we want to go. You know, one of the last ones, or, or one, one of those vision retreats we had years ago, um, the result of that retreat was the Dixon Teen Center. Um, and, uh, and, I mean, good things come out of that. So we're going to talk about the direction our church wants to go, or the, I should say that God wants our church to go, and what he's laying on our church laying on our hearts for our city and things like that. And so um, we, want, we want as many of you to be a part of that as would like to be a part of that. We'd talk, like to talk about the direction of our church. We'd love for you to be there. And we're opening that for, up for anybody age 16 and above. So especially some of you younger people, we want to hear your voice as well. Uh, if you'd like to be at that retreat, bug your mom and dad about it and, uh, and uh, get signed up for that, and, and that would be great. Also, not in your bulletin, is uh, uh, tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning will be uh, the funeral for Rich Reyes at uh, Dixon Community Church. Uh, we'd like for as many of you as are able to uh, make that to be there and, and uh, show your support for the family. Cecilia, we're still praying for you, and we love you so much. Glad you're here this morning, and, and I know this is a, a tough time of uh, year for you, but just know that we love you so very much. We love you. And so... Uh, we're we're going to do something right now that uh, we did first service that I was thinking I hadn't done it in years. I used to be in youth ministry for a lot of years before we, before I came here. And one of the things I would always end our meetings with was we would uh, say a prayer for the empty chair. And, uh, and so it was just this way of constantly reminding us th- that uh, God's got a butt intended for that seat that, that's not here right now. And I, I love... Um, I love this church so much. I love the Jesus that this church serves uh, so much. And, and while I'm so happy each of you are here this morning, I'm also burdened for all of those outside these walls that are far from God, uh, that he placed us here in the city uh, for a reason, to reach them. And so would you just kind of put your eyeballs on, a, on an empty chair around you somewhere? And, and right now, let's just lift up a prayer for someone to, to fill that seat that God would bring them uh, into a relationship with them. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for uh, giving us a gospel uh, mission in our life, God. And, and uh, shame on us when we forget uh, or we go uh, several weeks without inviting anybody into the relationship with you that we enjoy, into the community of believers uh, of here, here of Living Hope that, that we enjoy as well. And so, um, God, I pray that you would just put people in our path that we could uh, reach out to, that, that you would... Uh, have divine, uh, give us divine, uh, ordained conversations with people uh, that would uh, result in, in people uh, drawing close to you in relationships with you and uh, having their lives transformed by you. <clears throat> so, God, while we do uh, thank you for uh, every living hoper that is here this morning and, and the, even those that aren't here this morning, God, 
we know that you did not just die for us, but you placed us here uh, in Dixon with a mission of reaching those that are far from you. And so, God, um, help us to accomplish that purpose and to fill these seats. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's dive in. We are, uh, the, today's sermon is uh, entitled In and Out, In and Out, Gluttony and Feasting in the Bible. Now, you're like, okay, that's not fair right after Thanksgiving to talk about gluttony, uh, but we're going we're gonna to kind of dive into this, this topic because uh, I think it's actually very, very appropriate. <clears throat> it's something that we don't talk a lot about in church. In fact, a lot of people, you'll hear a lot of times, if, if Christians are talking about whatever the popular pet sin is to gripe about, uh, you'll hear people say, well, the Bible has way more to say about your gluttony than it has to say about that sin or whatever, which in a lot of cases is true. And, uh, and in a lot of cases, uh, uh, you know, you don't hear a lot of sermons about gluttony. And the primary reason for that is there are a lot of fat pastors out there. And so, uh, and, and honestly, this is a sermon that has been brewing in my heart for um, about five years, at least about five years. It's something I've been wanting to preach and I just haven't felt the freedom to preach, and a lot of that is because um, this is honestly, if I'm honest with you, this is an area of my life that I have struggled in, um, and I'm the type of guy that um, I, I can't stand to be to stand before you and be fake. And I, I remember it seems like it was maybe a couple of years ago now, I was having a conversation with somebody in the church about this topic and saying it's hard for me to stand and teach on this topic, even though I feel like I'm being led to teach on it. If if I don't feel like I can teach it with some level of authority. And this person so rightly reminded me that he said, you know, Jeff, when, when you stand before us, you're not standing there on your own authority. You're standing there on the authority of the word of God, which is so true. So the Bible's true whether I live it or believe it or not. And, and that's, that's actually good news for all of us. But this is a, some, an area of my life where I'm starting to turn a corner and, and, and starting to feel uh, like I'm seeing some victory in my life on the, in this issue. But but I don't, I don't teach it for that reason. I teach it because, because honestly, it needs to be taught. Now, this, uh, this issue of gluttony as a sin, it's no secret that this is a, a hot topic in our nation right now. It's no secret. I mean, every time you open up a paper, read a newspaper, turn on the news, uh, it, it, whatever, there are constantly stories about how our nation is, is obese, how we're sick, how we're, you know, all, you know, heart disease and diabetes and everything else that, that contributes to it. And it's just, uh, it's just, it's, it's something that, that is so prevalent in our culture. Uh, it's about seven years ago. No, it's longer than that. About eight years ago, Jamie and I did a trip to, uh, Scotland for a week while she was pregnant with Isla. And, uh, and we were in Scotland for a week driving around and, and we would stay at these little bed and breakfast. And, and one of the things that we noticed was just about every night there would be a TV show on about fat Americans in, in Great Britain and, and not, not fat Americans in Great Britain, but we were in Great, Great, Great Britain watching shows about fat Americans. Uh, they're just obsessed and, and totally fascinated by fat Americans. And, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that's all about, but, um, anyway, so it's, it is something that, that it's, it's an issue in our country. And, and so what I want to do is dive into this issue of, of gluttony. And it's not something, I think you're going to be surprised at some of the things I have to, have to say this morning, because gluttony is not just a simple matter of overeating. Uh, there's a, a spiritual issue there that is so critical for us to get. It's not just, oh, I enjoy food and I like to eat food and that makes me a glutton. That's, that's not what gluttony is. It really is, um, it goes to something much deeper that we're going to dive into. 
So, like I said, there's lots of verses in the Bible about <laughs> this issue of gluttony. I could have put 30 verses up there. Instead, I, I'm just picking one. Uh, but Proverbs 23, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> start with verse 19. Proverbs 23, 19 says this, Hear my son and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. Now, oftentimes when the Bible speaks of gluttony, it really lumps that attitude of gluttony in with drunkenness, in with laziness and slothfulness. There's a, it's not, again, it's not so much about food as the attitude that brings a person to this, uh, this sin of gluttony, which is, which, which again is, it's more of a, uh, a self-serving, I would even say self-worshipping attitude that causes um, uh, gluttony and drunkenness and laziness and slothfulness, and that sort of thing. That, 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 like I said, the Bible often lumps all that together. Um, and so, again, there are so many verses in the Bible that talk about this, and it's really easy, as is the case a lot of times with the Christian life, we can read the Bible, you can read a verse. Like, I could just preach this verse this morning, just this one verse, and and, and just kind of hone in on that, zero in on that idea. And, and you would walk out with a very, I think, unbalanced idea of what the Bible teaches on this topic. And, and oftentimes it's really easy to take an issue, a spiritual issue, and focus on one side of it so far that we swing it so far out of proportion that it's not, that's not healthy. And so a lot of times Christians will have this idea that, well, if I, I want to be super holy, so uh, that means I can't enjoy life. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, anything that I enjoy, I'm going to rid from my life. You know, all the, all the good music, I'm going to stop listening to that and just listen to Christian music. <laughs> and um, uh, <laughs> that was a little big. Anyway, so, um, and so anyway, all the, all, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy food. You know, I'm just going to eat rice cakes and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, and tofu and uh, tofu is from the devil, by the way. And so, um, and so I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to do all this stuff that, that anything that gives me pleasure, I'm going to rid that from my life. And so I'm going to be celibate and I'm going to be, uh, I'm, you know, alcohol is never going to touch my lips and I'm going to, uh, you know, whatever, list after list after things that, that, that people a lot of times in the world will look at as pleasure bringing things. And Christians will say, no, if, if, if and, oh, this happens so much, it drives me crazy. There are so many times there, there are Christians out there. That any time they see people having fun, enjoying life, they label it as sin. I could preach a whole sermon on that. Um, that, that was free to you guys. I didn't even talk about that last, last service. But anyway, that absolutely drives me nuts. Absolutely drives me nuts. We're going to get there as to why that drives me nuts in a little bit. But it is, it, it, that's one you know, swing of the pendulum. Kind of the abandon all pleasure and and just be super super disciplined, kind of a monk type person, and and uh, not enjoy life. Okay, um, and and if you read only these verses, maybe that was the conclusion you could come to. But there's also a slew of verses in the Bible that celebrate food and drink. And and look at Ecclesiastes chapter three, start with verse twelve. It says this: I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is what, say it with me, God's gift to man. God's gift to man that we should 
eat and drink and take pleasure on children. In other words, eating and drinking should, in some way is, is, is like God's gift to you for the reward for your work at, at times. I mean, he, he wants you to experience pleasure in that. And, and so, so then, okay, you, you got the, the other group that can swing the pendulum so far the other direction that it's like, okay, if this is God's gift, then bring on the gifts. And it's like, you know, I, I'm going to eat and I'm going to drink. I'm going to eat and I'm going to drink. And, and we're going to feast, you know, have a big old, you know, practically like a Thanksgiving meal, every meal of the day and, and, you know, the whole thing. And so, so now I always say this, that if, if you read a, a few verses in the Bible and it seems like those verses contradict each other, the fault is not with God's word. The fault is with your understanding of God's word. The fault is not with God's word. The fault is with your understanding of God's word, that God's word is perfect and, and correct and right. And if it looks like the word is contradicting itself. It's because you haven't done your study hard enough and you need to dive a little bit deeper in and try to discover what it is that God's word is trying to teach us. And sometimes scripture is not quite so black and white where you can pull a single verse out of the Bible and say, this is the verse I live my, my life by, when oftentimes there are also other verses that will bring balance to that like we're looking at this morning, okay? And so you've got to dig in and do some study. The fault, if, if contradiction looks like it's happening in God's word, the fault is not with God's word. The fault is with our understanding, with our understanding. So where, where does scripture actually teach on this of, of, you know, don't be a glutton, don't be a drunk, but also eat and drink and enjoy life? How, how, do, we, how do we make amends with all of that? And I really think the key to it, kind of the crux of this teaching lies in a verse you'll, you'll see in, in, that Paul wrote to the Corinthian people. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, start with verse 19. <clears throat> He says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Your body is God's temple. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So what? Glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. Now, back in the day, um, you know, you go back to Old Testament times, New Testament times, uh, there was a temple in Jerusalem. Before there was a temple, there was a, a tent, a tabernacle uh, that, that, that they, you know, before they had a home, they would kind of carry around and set up and tear down, and, a lot like us. They would set up and tear down church often. And, uh, and so, the, um, but the, the, the significance of that temple was this, the significance of the holy city of Jerusalem, the mountain that the temple sat on, and the holy of holies within that temple. The significance of that was that is where the presence of God dwelt. And so if you wanted to connect with God in a meaningful way, you would go to Jerusalem, to the temple, offer sacrifices for, uh, there, and, and God's presence was there in the temple. In the temple. And it all centered around that whole sacrificial system and everything else. Enter Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross. The veil in the temple splits in two and and, and, and now the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives in us when we become followers of Jesus Christ. We don't need a temple anymore. We are that temple. We are. This is why we say all the time, we don't go to church. We are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. And so with that, with that idea in mind of us being God's temple, then, then there's some weight on us that if this, if this body, this body, hey, by the way, this body right here, God chose to live here, right? Right? You can say the same thing too. Boast about that. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. God chose to set up residence inside of you. And if this body is God's chosen plant or place of residence, then there's some weight on us about how we care for these bodies. Paul uh, spews those words right there on the tail end of a teaching that started off as an example about gluttony, but ended up being a larger teaching about sexual sin. And he, he's saying that, that, that be careful to what you do with your body because God dwells in you. You are his temple now. You are his temple now. So there's some weight on us. Some, uh, it's heavy to think about the fact that this is where God dwells. This is where he chooses to dwell. So this body, even though we'll trash our bodies and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk bad about our physical bodies and how they lead us to sin and things like that, this physical body... This part of you is important enough to God that he chooses to live there. So it's important, it should be important enough to us that we attempt to take care of it. Attempt to take care of it. This body, regardless of how you feel about your body, is God's beautiful creation. God's beautiful creation. That may be difficult for some of you to hear. That might be troublesome for you to really own that statement that your body is God's beautiful creation. But it is. It is. So how do we... Well, like we're coming up on uh, Christmas season where we're buying gifts for people, and I love gifts. I mean, I, I, I love gifts. Uh, I wish I was one of those people that loved giving more than receiving, but I really like receiving gifts. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just very enjoyable for me. And, and so, uh, you know, I can think back over the course of my life of a handful of, like, gifts that were especially meaningful to me. Uh, one in particular <coughs> happened a, a few, just a few years ago, four, three or four years ago. Um, <coughs> Jamie got me a gift that just completely blew me away. And now, now you got to know that when Jamie buys me gifts, she very rarely surprises me. Uh, because I, I tend to be the type of guy who's just going to go buy whatever I want anyway. And she's like, you know, so I'm constantly hearing, oh, I was going to get you that for Christmas. Quit buying things, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, and, and, and so she, she worked really hard on this one this year, this particular year. I, uh, Isaiah and I had, had uh, attended a few concerts of an indie rock band called Manchester Orchestra, and we were really big fans of them and, and uh, got to meet them after one of the concerts. One time really developed a friendship with the, with the front man of, of the band and, uh, you know, the, communicated a lot with each other, and uh, it was just really cool. I was praying for this guy a lot, and um, uh, he grew up in a pastor's family, and so he had deep spiritual roots, and that really comes out in their music and stuff. But, uh, but you know, he's living the, you know, rock star life and, and uh, you know, temptations and things that they face, and so I was just constantly praying for this guy. And um, somehow, as Jamie's trying to decide three or four years ago what to give me for Christmas, she thinks, I'm going to call Andy, the lead singer of this band, and, and, and uh, I'm going to... I'm going to see if there, maybe he's got some merchandise or something he can send this send my way that, that maybe not everybody can get or whatever. And so she calls him, and she's like, you know, what, you know, I'm trying to think of what I can get for Jeff for Christmas. What can you do? And he says, out of the blue, what if I go into the, the studio and record a song just for Jeff? And she's like, ah, I was just thinking a T-shirt, but that's awesome, you know. That's, that's incredible. And so anyway, so he does. He, he, he asks, like, what's one of my favorite hymns? And so he goes in the... The, the studio spends hours recording the, the old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And it is beautiful. It, I mean, it's just layer upon layer of Andy Holt harmonies, and it's just, just gorgeous. And, uh, and so 
Christmas Eve, we're opening gifts, and this whole, you know, for, for a lot of days, she'd been saying, oh, I got you something amazing, you're, you're, not, you're never going to guess what it is, and you're going to be blown away, and I'm like, okay, whatever, you never surprised me, but whatever, and, and, uh, and so she hands me this little gift bag, Christmas Eve, and I reach into the gift bag, and I, I feel what it is before I see it, I pull it out, it's, it's just, it's a CD, and it wasn't even like a CD she got at the store, like a homemade CD, and I was like, well, this is the big, big surprise, you know, and and so she's like, read it. And so I read the disc, and, and then I see what it is. And, and uh, I mean, I lost it. And then I'm listening to the song, and I'm losing it more. I'm in snots running up, upward on my head. And, I mean, it's just, it's just I'm blown away. And, and part of the reason I was blown away is because uh, I've, I've been praying so hard for this guy, and, and he spent hours in the studio just bathing in those lyrics. And afterward, I called him, and he, he just talked about how, you know, that the meaningful connection he had with God while he was recording that song and just how beneficial it was to him too. And it was just, it was such a cool, cool gift. But, but get this, the reason that that gift was so cool to me beyond the song is, uh, is because uh, of what Jamie went through to give it to me. Like I would have never even thought about doing that. I would never thought about it. And I, and the fact that she put the effort into making that happen was so incredible incredibly meaningful to me, so incredibly meaningful. And, and this is what happens with a lot of things in our life that the Bible will call gifts from God, good gifts from God, is that we have a tendency to take God's good gifts and begin to worship the gift rather than the gift giver. And I could set that little CD up on the mantle and put candles around it and and, 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 and worship the CD and talk about how meaningful that little piece of plastic was to me and all that. But really what was meaningful to me about that gift was the person who gave that gift to me. And the same thing is true with God and these things that he gives us as gifts like food and drink and sex and, and, and so much of life that, that, that he gives us as beautiful, awesome, good gifts to enjoy and to make our lives more meaningful and more fulfilling and just kind of awesome when we begin to worship those gifts instead of the gift giver, then everything gets all out of whack. It gets all out of whack. So in the case with, like we're talking about, I think you could apply it to a lot of things, you know, drinking food and other things, I mean, drinking sex and other things too. But in this case, this morning, talking about food, if we become, now, now here's, here's the thing about me. I, I've never, I've never, I've, everybody's hardwired a little bit differently, Okay. Uh, when it comes to alcohol, that's never been a temptation for me. Never, ever been tempted to get drunk, ever. It's just not my thing. I've never been, drugs, never, ever been tempted by that. That's just not my thing. Food, I'm weak. I love food so much. Like, I'm going to cry just thinking about how much I love food. <laughs> I mean, I love, love, love food. And, 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 and it, it is such a weakness for me. It's such a weakness for me. And I have a tendency to focus on and make prime that gift rather than to worship the creator who gave me that gift. And when we can get those things in proper perspective and proper order, then something really beautiful happens that we're going to talk about, okay? So let, let me first set up how, how what there's a pattern or, or an example that the Bible uh, gives us for living a good kind of uh, life in terms of uh, being healthy about this issue, this particular issue, spiritually healthy about this particular issue. Um, when you look at the way the Bible is set up, the, the, the children of Israel, their normal everyday meals were very simple. 
Very simple. They would eat kind of very simple, very sensible, uh, kind of modest meals on a, on a meal-to-meal, day-to-day basis. But then hardwired into the calendar by God was this idea of feasting. Feasting. And so many times a year, you know, uh, every month or so, uh, they, there would be a religious uh, kind of community feast that would take place. And they would, they would feast for a while and, and just really enjoy life in that time. And then you, you add also in um, these cel- other celebrations of, of births and weddings and things like that. And in fact, Jesus' first miracle was performed at a wedding. At a wedding. And when they feasted at a wedding... It wasn't like the way we go to a wedding and you're there for a couple hours, you eat a nice little meal and dab your, you know, your, your mouth with a napkin and walk away. No, they, w- they would set up camp around this feast for a good week or so and really, really enjoy the feast. And so Jesus and his disciples and his mother are at a wedding feast and they ran out of wine. They ran out of wine. Now, the reason this is significant is because back in this day, it was a huge insult by the host to his guests if they were to run out of food or wine because what it was communicating to his guests was, I didn't care enough about you to really think this thing through properly. I didn't care enough about you to really think this thing through. And so when the guy runs out of wine, the dad or whoever runs out of wine, Mary, Jesus' mother, comes to Jesus like, oh my gosh, we got a big deal here. They've run out of wine. you got to do something. And Jesus' response is, uh, he, he's, first of all, he says, woman, only Jesus can get by with that. He's like, woman, it's not my time yet, okay? It's not my time yet. And, uh, and, and she said, you're going to fix this, basically, and go get him whatever he needs. And so they gather around some big jars, says fill them with water. He does a chemistry miracle, turns the water into wine. It's awesome, okay? Now, I, I love this. I was thinking about this story this week. The fact that Jesus and his disciples and his mother were at a wedding feast where they ran out of wine indicates that Jesus and his disciples helped them run out of wine. I kind of love that idea. I kind of love that idea. And so, so I, I just, I love the idea that, that they're involved in this feast. It was such a big deal. But these feasts were, again, kind of hardwired into the community and into the calendar of, of, of the Hebrew people in the Hebrew year. And so it was a big deal. Simple eating on a regular basis, feasting in celebratory ways. And so we're going to talk about that and what that looks like for just a second. So this idea of, of simple eating, put up the next slide. This is what it looked like uh, for the Hebrew people that when you read it about it in scripture, it was a lot of breads, uh, a lot of olive oil, uh, vegetables, cheeses, fruits, and meats. And it means I put meat last because uh, generally meat was something that was reserved for maybe once a week or a special occasion or something like that. Um, and so there wasn't a ton of meat in their diet, but, but there was meat in that diet, okay? For me, I'm diabetic, and so I'm going to do a lot of meats and vegetables and things like that and lay off the bread so much, you know, quite a bit. But, but, but again, simple things. If God made it, eat it. I like the way uh, Manuel Escobar talks about, he, you know, he, he's, he's real big on telling people, shop around the outside of the grocery store. Shop around, try to stay out of the aisles and shop around the outside of the grocery store, and you'll be pretty good. And, and, and that's kind of, again, if it looks like God grew it, uh, and it looks like God made it, uh, and then, then kill it and eat it. Okay. And, and that, that's, that's a good thing. All right. So eating simplicity, eating with simplicity does this. It encourages gratitude for God's provision. It encourages gratitude for, there is something that connects me to the creator. Uh, when I eat a carrot, that doesn't connect me to him when I eat a Cheeto. 
Um, there's just something about eating something that, that is so obvious that God grew, that God made. Uh, it helps me to be very gracious for that thing that he made versus a lot of other processed foods and stuff that hardly resembles food and that sort of thing. So it encourages gratitude for God's provision. It also cares for God's temple, you. It helps care for God's temple. If this is the temple of God, then we want to care for that. And eating those foods, the, the, the stuff that God made, is going to help care for that temple. Um, it also disciplines our bodies. This is a big one. This is a really big one. Okay, so um, you, you guys have heard, you know, a lot of times if you read the Bible, they'll talk about fasting. Jesus said, uh, when you fast, do it this way. He didn't say if you fast. It was just assumed that you would. When you fast, right? Fasting has never really been my, my deal. I've done it a few times. But I, my deal with fasting is that, like, when you fast, you're supposed to kind of, uh, it's supposed to be a way to kind of connect with God. There's a lot of other things involved there, but, but it's supposed to help kind of refocus you, refocus you on the things of God. And, and for, for me, when I would fast, I just found I was focused on the food I was missing out on. It was hard for me to focus on God because I'm, you know, I'm growling all the whole time. And, and so I was reading this book uh, by um, a guy, German guy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote this book called The Cost of Discipleship. And uh, he, he was a, a pastor um, back in World War II times. In fact, he was involved in an assassination attempt on Hitler, which is just awesome. Pastors trying to assassinate Hitler. That's a great, that's a great story. Uh, somebody needs to make a movie about that. And so um, anyway, so th- this guy, he writes this book, and, and there's this chapter in this book on fasting. And I'm reading this, and according to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the reason that we fast is this. The reason that we fast is this. Because it disciplines our body and teaches our body that our body does not control us. And when I read that, the light bulb went on, and I was like, "Now nah, I can get behind that. That that is beneficial. That is good." And I would say the same thing is true about kind of eating simply, simple eating. It disciplines your body that you are not in. My, you know, your body, my body, you body are not in control of me. God is in control of you and me. And so I will discipline you to teach you who's boss. And again, that's an, that's a, that's an idea that I can get behind. Discipline is key. That's key. The other, the other thing is this, that it, oh, this is a good one. It defeats one of the enemy's tactics of silencing you. Simple eating defeats one of the enemy's tactics of silencing. You need to know that this is uh, a spiritual battle, as is the case with all sin, it's a spiritual battle. And we are gospel-bearing, gospel-delivering people, on, living life on a mission. And if Satan can silence our voice, that's a good day for him. And knowing that this is a spiritual battle, not just me struggling with food, but Satan has a vested interest in shutting me up then I want to fight against that. I want to fight against that. Now, feasting, on the other hand. (coughs) Feasting, it looks like this. (coughs) Excuse me. It's it's the act of celebrating God's blessings in your life or or the freedom that you have in him with larger portions of food and drink in community on special occasions. That's a very critical aspect of it there. In community on special occasions. You gather together with family. You gather together with friends. You gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ and you celebrate and you feast together in community. Um, The community is a big part of feasting. Let me tell you what feasting is not. Feasting is not you at the end of a long day going, I've had a hard day today. Rubble, 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 rubble. That's that's not feasting. That's, That's just sadness, okay? 
Feasting is when you come together in community, you do this, and there's purpose, there's intention, there's joy, there's celebration behind it. And it's something that's important. It's something that's so important. So when you feast, feasting allows us to fully enjoy life in Christ. <laughs> to fully enjoy life in Christ. That, that uh, There's so many people in the world who think that, because of what we talked about earlier, there's... <laughs> I didn't sign up. That was a little ESPN alert. Sorry about that. Um, anybody want to know the score? No. Okay, so... Uh, so feasting is, is this, is this idea, or, or I'm sorry, there's so many people in, in the world that look at our lives because of what we talked about earlier that will say, you know, there's no joy in the Christian life. It's all, it's all a list of things you can't do. And, and God's intent for our life again is not to reject his gifts. It's to fully, uh, enjoy his gifts to the fullest in the way he meant them to be received. And the way that he meant them to be received, we'll get to more of that in just a second. But when we feast, it lets the world know that we can enjoy life. That, we, that it's not just a list of do's and don'ts, that God has given us freedom to enjoy life. Feasting also builds community. It builds community. That when we uh, come together around food, you know, we, strategically speaking, uh, the staff of the church here has found that if we want to gather you all together for an important purpose like training or a membership meeting or something like that, if we don't serve food, then the, the number's cut in half that shows up at least. And so, so food brings people together. It's a beautiful thing. And the same thing, that when we feast and we do it with joy and we do it with celebration, it builds up our community. And it builds up the community within your own family as well. Feasting also takes full advantage of the freedom that we have in Christ. The freedom. That you have freedom to do things. Now, let me, let me hit this for just a second. Because there's, there's, there's kind of a flip side to freedom. And this discipline thing I was talking about earlier. For me, I may have the freedom to have a big old feast day, week, whatever, and, um, and just gorge myself with tons of breads and pasta. But just because I have the freedom to do it doesn't mean it's the right thing for me to do. Why? Because I'm diabetic. And it is literally killing me when I do that. Literally. And so I need, to, I need to discipline myself to some moderation. Now, for some of you, um, I'll use myself as an example. I can go enjoy a beer, no problem. For some of you, you have one beer and it turns into two cases. And you need to be disciplined to, and honest enough about yourself to, to state who you are and how you're hardwired. And, and just because you have the freedom to do something doesn't necessarily mean it's the wise thing for you to do. For some of you, one, one piece of pie turns into the entire pie. And you need, again, to, to it, it's about knowing, being honest with who you are and disciplining yourself so that you don't carry things too far. One of the things I love so much about the Bible is the Bible does what a lot of churches don't do, and that is it treats us like adults. The Bible treats us like adults. The Bible could say, like, never eat anything tasty and never let alcohol touch your lips. But instead, what's it do? What's it, do? it says, you know what, just use some wisdom. These are beautiful gifts, good gifts from God. Use some wisdom. Use some wisdom. So that puts the ball in our corner to exercise that wisdom. Enjoy the freedom that you have in Christ, but if you know you have hitches, hang-ups in certain areas with certain things, then you need to exercise some discipline, exercise some self-control. Make sense? 
Make sense? Thank you. All right, feasting finally does this. It brings joy to God who gives us good gifts. It brings joy to God who gives us good gifts. God lavishes us with gifts. If you, if you, if you like spent a lot of time and effort and money into buying your kid this gift that you just thought they were going to be over the moon about, right? And you give them this gift and they look at it and go, oh, thank you for this, but I'm just going to set it over here because I'm a little too grown up for this now. Even though secretly you know they're like, I really want to dive into that gift. They're trying to like, you know, no, 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 no. I don't need that. And so like, okay, you might appreciate the fact that they're trying to be a little bit more grown up, but you're also thinking, dude, I went out of my way to get you that gift. Get on there and open that box before I knock you in your head, right? And, and, and I think that there, in a lot of ways, God's relationship with us is very much the same way. He gives us these beautiful gifts. And when we reject those gifts, how do you think that makes the giver of those gifts feel? Instead, enjoy those gifts the way they were meant to be enjoyed. The way they were meant to be enjoyed is critical. Critical. If I give my son a baseball bat for Christmas, and Isaiah's like, yay, a baseball bat, and goes out and kills 10 people with it, then I'm like, no, that's not what I was thinking at all, <laughs> right? How, where, where did you go from baseball to murder, right? <laughs> That doesn't make sense. And and I think in the same way with God, he gives us these good gifts to be enjoyed the way he meant for them to be enjoyed. Things like food, things like alcohol, things like sex, beautiful, awesome, incredible, life-firming, life-building up gifts. They just make your life better when they're used the way God intended for them to be used. But when we worship the gift instead of the gift giver, When we go outside of God's plan for that gift, things go awry. Things go awry. So, let me wrap it up with this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says this. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to what? Say it with me. To the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. As is everything, you know, our mission statement here at Living Hope is glory to God and hope to people. We believe our lives are meant to be all about the glory of God. And so when you're eating, do it to the glory of God. When you're eating simply on a regular basis, do it to the glory of God. When you're feasting and taking off those restrictions and saying, okay, we're going to dive in, we're going to enjoy this, do it to the glory of God. Don't do it with guilt. For those of you that like dove in and tore up that gospel bird on Thanksgiving Day, um, God looked at you and smiled. He looked at you and smiled. Why? Because you were enjoying his gift in the way that he meant for you to enjoy it. If you are eating Thanksgiving dinner every meal, three, day, three meals a day, then, then no. That's not, the, what God, that's not what God intended. But you know what? When it's appropriate, in community, around special occasions, around uh, Christmas and Easter and Fourth of July and, and birthdays and weddings and other holidays and things like that, that. That's fine. Get together. Do that. Somebody you love comes in from out of town. It's like, yeah, I'll kill something and eat it and enjoy it. That's a good thing. But on a day-to-day, meal-to-meal basis, use some restraint, use some wisdom, use some discipline. Okay? So this is the formula I have for you. It's this. Discipline plus feasting equals God glorified in our bodies. Discipline not by itself, but along with feasting, 
equals God glorified in our body. And so, yes, be a disciplined person. Get your, so, so, so this is the way this works out for everybody in this room, okay? For some of you, the reason you need to hear this message today is because you need to feel the freedom uh, that you have been um, keeping yourself from feeling. You need to, for some of you, you have been just riddled with guilt over the way you ate on Thanksgiving Day. And God's message is to you, burp and enjoy it. Get it over with. Enjoy what I, that was my beautiful gift to you. Enjoy that. And you need to quit being so legalistic about every little thing that goes into your mouth. Now, for some of you, the reason you needed to hear this message today was because you've been worshiping the gift rather than the gift giver. I'll raise my hand high and say that I occasionally do that myself. And for those of us, we need to continue to work to get that in proper alignment and actually allow God to give us gifts without us worshiping those gifts. Instead, keep our eyes focused on him and his glory. And I want to make sure that the way I live my life day to day, the way I not only eat simply, but for the way I uh, use moderation in other areas of my life, the way I allow myself to feast around the ways that God has set up for me to feast, that it's bringing him glory and not just doing it for my own whatever, self-absorption or whatever. Does that make sense? There's, there's balance there. There's balance there. God has a beautiful plan for us to enjoy life and the beautiful gifts that he's given. Enjoy them. Enjoy them. But worship him as the gift giver while you enjoy them. All right? Let's pray. Father, we love you. <coughs> Once again, your word is good to us. And um, God, I, I ask your forgiveness when I, when my, when my, the way that I think is not lining up with your word. And my life is not transformed the way it should be transformed. And I, um, I put your gifts in the place that I be, should be putting you. I want to glorify you with my body. I want to glorify you in the way that I use the gifts that you have given me. So help me to do that. Thank you for calling all of us to, um, with a gospel purpose in mind. God, I pray that we would live in um, the recognition of that purpose. That we would do everything we can to um, share your message for as long as you have, a, have planned for us to do, God. God, I pray that you would rebuke the enemy in our lives that, that would tempt us to put the gift above the gift giver, that would tempt us to give in to his attack and silence our voices. But instead, God, that we would live lives full of joy and celebration and lives that are glorifying to you. So God, give us discipline where we need discipline and uh, help us know when to celebrate as well. We love you. We thank you. You are a good, good God. We don't deserve you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. 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 All right. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week. Hug somebody around the neck before you leave.